We have almost forgotten that we are in a great mortal combat. The battle of the forces of good and the forces of evil. Today we are beginning either to domesticate the devil or else to deny him. God's definition of himself is I am who I am. The devil's definition of himself is I am who I am not. He is most powerful when he is denied. Welcome to Wednesday War College, two Catholic men reporting for duty. My name is Jess Romero, got Dr. Dan Schneider reminding you that July is the month where we honor the precious blood of Jesus. Let's not forget that also today's gospel at Holy Mass, in the Gospel of Matthew, our Lord talks to us about finding the pearl of great price. Finding the grill of great price. That grill of great price is the Lord Jesus Christ, His Church, and his holy gospel. Once you found that, you found everything. Hey, Dan, we got a couple things that we're going to talk about today that will be of interest to our Wednesday audience. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. I'm 10-8 for Jesus. How are you, Jesse? I am uh, too blessed to be stressed. And, uh, well, let's begin. Here's something that I want to... Uh, <clears throat> I want to address, there's a good article written by Monsignor Charles Pope. He's a, I think he's a diocesan priest in Washington, D.C. And uh, let me just read some things here, and then we can interact with this, because this is something that's very important, that we've got to get this right, especially the audience. The article's called, Can Lay People Lay Hands on Others During Prayer? Great question. So the question is, that they asked Monsignor Pope, are lay people allowed to impose their hands on others and pray for healing or the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to offer a blessing? Is there any doctrine on this? Are we allowed to accept prayer from other people who want to touch us and pray for us? The questioner asked, I have also heard the claim that laying on of hands, either by others or oneself for others, can lead to possession by Satan. I just want to kind of clean up that question there. I think the technical term that the questioner is asking is called demonic transference. Uh, in other words, a person who's diabolically afflicted, if they lay hands on you, can pass their spiritual junk to another person through the laying on of hands. Isn't that correct, Dan? Right, right. I remember in the in the in the '80s when uh, um, when the AIDS uh, e- e- epidemic, I guess you would call it, when when AIDS first hit the scene. Um, Remember how paranoid we all were, like, oh, my gosh, if, if what if you shake hands with somebody who has AIDS? What if they sneeze and you're in the same room? Can you get AIDS that way? Nobody really knew. So I think it's a great question because it and, and, it, and it, it helps us to appreciation on what's the what's the right practice? What is the safe way to do this? Uh, so, yes, we're talking, you know, obviously you're not going to be possessed by shaking hands, but what, what you're, you're, you're absolutely correct. You can get a transference technical term terminology be a transference. Uh, in which you get a clinging spirit. In the South, they would call it a tar baby. And Star Trek fans would call it a Klingon. These are these these are phrases to say, yeah, this there is a way that it, you can do certain behaviors and go to certain places, say certain things, and attract demons and and according to your your vulnerabilities. Yeah, let me read Monsignor Pope's answer. Then I want you to interact with it. He says this: It is certainly permissible and encouraged for for lay people to pray for one another. Indeed, the charism to bring physical or spiritual healing and consolation to others is not exclusive to the clergy. 
When praying, however, the lady should not use priestly gestures, such as the laying on of hands upon a person's head. Good, that was a great comment that he made there. Or making the sign of the cross over them, similar to the gesture of priests when giving a blessing. That was a solid answer that he gave right there, Dan. He says, if hands are imposed when, when praying with someone, it is, better to, it is better to place them upon the shoulders. Now, I notice that happens a lot at men's conference when guys pray for each other at men's conferences. I don't see anybody laying hands on each other's head, but I'll see like one guy, you know, another guy's, you know, got kind of emotional, maybe gave his witness or something, or he's kind of emotional about some of the talks he's heard. You'll see one guy put his hand on another guy's shoulder and just maybe say an Our Father or Hail Mary. You see that all the time. Father says, if hands are imposed when praying with somebody, it is better to place them upon the shoulders. A further, a further area of some concern is the practice of lay people anoint, anointing one another with blessed oil. While there is widespread toleration of the practice, the, con- the concern is that it resembles too closely the sacrament of the anointing of the sick, and many people are genuinely confused as to what is actually taking place. I'll, I want to make a comment. The, the church, the, this came into the church, this practice about blessing people with holy oil, lay people, through the charismatic renewal, which came in through the Pentecostal movement. And again, a lot of good things came in through the charismatic renewal, but also a lot of modernist practice came in as well. What say you, Dan? Yeah, for sure. I think what you what you see is modernist or what we would say theologically is a minimalist ecclesiology. It's a misunderstanding or a collapsed understanding of what the, the universal priesthood of the laity uh, versus the, the, the uh, ministerial of the clergy, which the church clearly teaches, differs by both essence and in degree. So by in its essence and in the degree, lay people and priests have, are, have uh, uh, a, a, a large gap, a chasm between our priestly authority as, remember, the word Christian means anointed. And who was anointed in the Old Testament? Priests, prophets, and kings. A Christian is an anointed one. A Christian is one who has been anointed, right, as priest, prophet, but the authority to, to that priest, prophet, and kingly mark, okay, we have an indelible mark of baptism. The priest has an indelible mark, an indelible mark of holy orders, a priest forever by the order of Melchizedek. When you and I pass away or our spouses pass away, our marriage now ends, right? Our, in heaven, we are, we are members of the bride of Christ. But when a priest passes away, he is a priest forever. Even a priest that has been laicized, even a priest that, that has been a bad priest, even a priest that has committed apostasy. That priest is a priest forever by order by the order of Melchizedek. Now, the priesthood has three principal duties and obligations. Um, you have what they call the Tria the three works or duties. That Munra is a duty, an obligation. And it's to, I'll give you the Latin, okay? Munus regendi, munus and munus docendi, regendi, the obligation to rule. Right. And that's where the authority over the demons comes to rule. That's where the, his universal authority comes from. OK, the the sanctificande to sanctify. This is the priest operating in the sacraments. Right. Sanctifying souls. Number one, ruling over demons and ruling the church. Hierarchos, the holy priestly authority, ruling, uh, uh, sanctifying through the sacraments and docendi, which is teaching, preaching, educating the lay faithful to preach. Technically speaking, to preach 
is is at mass, for example, this is a priestly duty. This is why lay people don't go up and give homilies, right? Even though, you know, Jess, you probably give a pretty good darn homily every Sunday if they'd let you, but you don't have that charism. You differ in essence and degree. If I teach in a diocese, if I teach, it is because the bishop who has the supreme authority of these three things to rule, to sanctify, and to teach, to edify the people of God, I, I work under that local bishop. And so that authority flows through office. So that certain gestures, think about this way. Okay, Jess, you come over to my house for dinner and we're going to have dinner tonight. And I and I say, okay, Dan, you're the head of household. You can pray this. Why don't you lead us in grace? And so I say, um, blessed art thou, Lord God of creation, for you have given this bread from heaven. Right. And I start doing the second Eucharistic the, the prayer. Eucharistic prayer. The, Eucharistic prayer. It, it, it would be, you would be like, that's kind of odd. Again, that's a priestly prayer reserved to the priesthood going back to office hmm. i can bore the, i can bore you some more with 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 it but office is key even yeah. in, in the new book of blessings it tells you when a when a person a lay person uh, um does a prayer of blessing because technically speaking lay people cannot bless we can only ask god to bless may god uh, bless us O lord and these thy gifts deprecatory lay person goes through and blesses his house he's invoking through his authority as office of head of household and, and, and invoking the authority of Christ into, the, into his home. But his, we differ in essence and degree as priests, prophets, and king, as the priesthood. And believe me, when you're sitting in session with a possessed person, the demon manifest, he scans that room like the predator. He scans that room. And he knows exactly who has, a, they say in Spanish, el cinturón, right? Who has the belt, <laughs> right? He, he knows, <laughs> he sees you and me, and he sees meat sacks, right? He doesn't, we, he doesn't, we don't even register. It's like the predator. We just come across, like, we don't even register. Very, very, very uncommon. It's very uncommon for the demon to even recognize the layperson in, a, in a, an exorcism session. He sees that priest, and he looks in fear. I've been in sessions where we've had religious. Now, listen to this. A, a, a consecrated virgin religious session. The demon, you can see his eyes scanning the room. He just dismisses the meat sack lay people. We're here. We're just hero support. We're here to support the priest, to protect the exorcist. He sees the exorcist, and he sees him, and he, he sees an apostle of Christ, and he knows he has el cinturón in his hand. But he looks at the virgin religious, and he, and he looks almost in desperation and says, what are you going to do with that? He sees the virgin, consecrated virgin religious as an instrument of torture to him, that virginal purity. He can smell carnal flesh. But he also fears the, vir the virginal consecration because she's a living icon of Christ. She's got feet in this world and next. She's living in her body, the eschatological virginal reality of unity, spousal unity with her virgin God. I've heard Regis, anyway. Dr. Regis Martin call that realized eschatology. Exactly. Exactly. It's realized. It's made present today. Yeah. And when I when I teach Carmelites, they uh, you get us. You get it, you know, because what, what does the world, even the church say? Why do they waste their time, these, these Carmelites and these poor Clares? What a waste of time. Shouldn't they be teaching in schools? Shouldn't they be, shouldn't they be out doing hospital work and, and street ministry, right? Or Isn't that a waste of time? This was last week's gospel, Martha and Mary. Mary chose the better part, to sit in contemplation as a disciple of Jesus Christ. These are the B-52 bombers. These are the true SEAL Team 6. Uh, 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 of the spiritual, of the Catholic spiritual realm. Dan, on the next, uh, on the next segment, I want to ask you about 
Uh, can lay people, instead of doing bodily contact, touching somebody else, would it better to, to use a crucifix or a rosary to act as a barrier? We'll talk about that next. Yeah, let's talk about the use of oils as well. Get up, get up, get up, get up. Wake up, wake up. Stand up for Jesus. Stand up for Jesus. That's Reveille on Wednesday, War College. My name is Jess Romero, Dan Schneider. We're talking about an article written by Father Monsignor Charles Pope on lay people. Can they lay hands on other lay people? I just want to say one thing, Dan, that if it, one, I, I've done this study uh when you look at the laying on of hands, it's a priestly posture in both Testaments, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so, uh, also when you look at the tradition of the church, the, that's been handed down for 2,000 years, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a Catholic priest, it's a clergy that has the power to lay hands over somebody's head. That sh- that's a priestly action. Now, lay people well, can lay hands in prayer over somebody's head, their spouse and their children, that's it, because your domestic church stops there, your wife and your kids. Uh, I think this practice has, has, again, it's spilled into the Catholic Church through the Pentecostal movement that started back in like 1906, uh, called the Azusa Street Revival. And I think a lot of Catholics, they, uh, they, they just operate because they haven't been properly catechized. They don't do it maliciously. They just do it more out of ignorance. Yeah, yeah. If you, like you said, in the Old Testament, um... Uh, I put a graph in the new book on this to kind of show how in the Old Testament there was a twofold uh, use of uh, the imposition of hands. Um, uh, and it, it comes, it's either priestly in that the, 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 the priest laying his hands right in a in a priestly act, a liturgical act, um, or it was a patriarchal act. It was it was a gesture by a patriarch to impose hands. And so even that carries into the New Testament. The imposition of hands into the New Testament in James and other places, uh, um, it, it is, it, we've seen that that is also something that early priests, the first priest apostles, and then their successors would do. So, and so fathers uh, and mothers can can lay hands and bless their children, of course, but but uh, doing it in the parish hall is it's just again the barometer. It isn't that. Oh no, don't do this because it's 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 mentally confusing to people. It, it blends the universal and the, and the hierarchical priesthood. It does intellectually, but the, the barometer is retaliation. The demon will yield or not yield based on three things. Number one, does this person have the authority over the person, the place, or the object? Number two, what is the state of merit, the state of grace uh, of the person praying? And three, what are they asking? So the demon will yield in some. These prayer sessions, the demon's going to yield to the to the name of Jesus. He's going to yield to the prayers themselves. He will react, right? When 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 you walk over to somebody's house and you and, and they have a dog there, and you say to the dog, "Walk, food, right? Eat, outside, whatever." The dog's going to react because he's conditioned to react. The demon is, reacts to the prayers, but whether he yields or not is going to is going to come down to those three things. So you, even if you have the authority to do that, if you're dirty. Right. If you, so we always get nervous when when there's a, when we when we're working with a case and and we try to teach the father how to how to 
how to clear, clean out his home spiritually. Um, and the demon doesn't yield to the father. It, it respects the authority, but he's not going to yield if there's not, if there's not merit, if there's not a state of grace. Uh, uh, if the person's not in a state of grace, again, the barometer is retaliation. This is what we see in the field. It's very practical and functional. This is this is the sons of Skiva and the actually the apostles that, that you've you've mentioned. You know that 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 uh, um, the retaliation will that will be the barometer of whether or not. And this is how we've been able to track over the course of several years and experience and tap into the tradition of the church. That's that you, know, you can do it, but be aware that you could be retaliation. Dan, I think I think the the, the practice of uh, maybe some people laying their hands on somebody's shoulder and praying for them, like you see in a lot of men's groups do that, men's conferences. I think this comes from, uh, you know, people have seen when you're a sponsor for uh, when uh, and you and you're a sponsor for a candidate that's going through confirmation. In the rubrics of the rite of Conver- confirmation in the Novus Ordo Mass. Uh, Rite of Confirmation 26, it says this, quote, The one who presented the candidate places his right hand on the latter's shoulder and gives the candidate's name to the bishop, close quote. So this occurs in the Novus Ordo Confirmation, Rite of Confirmation, but it also occurs in the TLM. I was talking to Father Dave Nix, who's an expert on the Latin Mass. He goes, oh yeah, yes. He goes, uh, in the TLM, he says, sponsors also put the, their, they lay their right hands on the shoulder and, he, and I said, so explain that to me. I, his explanation was good. He says, he says, what this means, this is the oath-swearing hand. So he says, this indicates in the Novus Ordo and in the TLM, when the sponsor puts his hand on the candidate's shoulder, he says, this indicates the sponsor's making a commitment to provide spiritual guidance to the confirmed. So the purpose during the liturgy is not to bless the candidate or drive out demons, but it's to show solidarity and and fraternity as they walk together uh, with the Lord. Uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, if you see a uh, if you've ever been received the anointing of the sick or you've been present with somebody who was anointed of the sick, what does the priest do? He holds your hands out and they anoint your the palms of your hands. If you've ever seen a priest receive the last rites or the anointing of the sick, I've been present where the where they take the priest will hold his hands out for anointing because that's what he normally sees. And I've seen another priest take his hands and turn them upside down and say, Father, your hands are already anointed. And they anoint a priest on the back of his hands wow. because the priest's hands are anointed. And, and um, we've seen many, many times in session just that the holding up of the priestly hands causes pain to the demon. You know, it's, 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 it's again, the priest, that, that anointing, the demon sees that anointed hands. And that's El Cinturon. That's the belt mm. that, that's going to bring the discipline and the justice of God. To bear, so so he he trembles at the fear of that. One of the, and one of the uh, it's an Eastern uh, uh, prayer, um, and I'm not sure if it's the Saint Basil prayer or the Cyprian prayer. Um, the priest says, "May the finger of God be upon you," and just the placing of the priestly hand, but just his finger upon the top of the head of an afflicted person when the demon manifests, it causes. It's like watching them see a stake getting driven into the head, the pain that, that they experience, all because of the weight. The authority, the Latin word is octoritas, the weight-filled authority of the priesthood. Now, we have that as, as, uh, you know, as lay people in our homes. We just, we just work that within our realm. Now, in the article, Father Monsignor Pope also talks about the use of oils. 
And so we use oils. It's part of the sacramentals. You can look up the, the sacramental theology in the catechism around 16, uh, uh, 57, from 1655 onward under the sac, under the section of the, the domestic church, right? So under the domestic church starts talking about the use of sacramentals. And what are they? Oils. So when lay people go out anointing each other with oils at prayer meetings, that again is a priestly duty. That's inconsistent with the 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 lay vocation. The lay vocation, the lay the lay the lay charism is secular in nature. It's secular. We are the ones that are be out there doing battle uh, uh, in the political realm, in the, in the social political realm, in schools, in the legal system, uh, fighting against abortion, these other things. That is our charism. The priestly charism is is sacrificial. The priest, everything he does is ordered to the Eucharist. All that he does, it's ordered to the sacraments and the principle of which is the confection of the Holy Eucharist. So, so there's just a total difference in charism. And, and again, in this low ecclesiology that has been infused, uh, you know, Protestant ecclesiologies into the church makes us think the church is just another corporation. It's just another. It's 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 you know it's an Isaac Columbus or it's it's uh, the the Lion Club, and ooh, these priests fall into different functions, and it's functional. It's, it, it falls into functionalism where they function here and we function here. And I could do that, but I'm going to do this over here. Father just functions is the one that says mass and gives us the sacraments. That's not the way the spiritual realm sees it. It's not the way the angels see it. Uh, and, there's, there's, there's a cosmic power that is, that, is, that is poured out in and through the church and through the priest. We, we, we tap into that as well, but as, but as lay people. Yeah, and, and, and in a lesser but derivative way, Dan— um, I use sacrament, if like right now I'm dealing with sh uh, the after effects of shingles, and so I, I try to bless myself a couple times a week with with blessed oil. You know, I'll pray a, a prayer over myself. Uh, but I have the authority to do that because, again, sacramentals can be used by oneself over oneself or, or in your house. I'm not and, out there blessing and your my wife has And your wife has authority over your body. Yeah, and she's also, by the way, I also have her blessing me as well, and she prays for me. Uh, and, 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 you know, because she has authority over your body. But tell the story that when you were in the hospital, remember? You almost died a few years back. Yeah, a couple of years ago, I, I had a pulmonary embolism. Uh, I was in the hospital. The doctor said 90% of your lungs are blocked, are clogged with the pulmonary embolism. And so I, I was in a state of grace. I went to confession like the morning before, went to mass. So I said, oh, man, I'm going to die. I'm, I think I was 54 years old or something. I said, I'm going to die. I said, this is it. I'm, I'm out of here. My wife heard me say, saying those things, and she wasn't happy. I mean, she was starting to get teary-eyed and stuff. No, no, you can't go. You can't go. And it was serious. Two doctors were saying, yeah, we've been doing this for 30 years. People that have your husband's condition, they're dead. They're, how he's breathing, we have no idea. So they started bombing me with, with IV, uh, trying to dissolve the, the, the blood clots. My wife, she, uh, I, I, I got a book. It's called Lord, Prepare My Hands for Battle. There's a prayer there. It's called. It's, it, there's a healing prayer. And again, we know how to use the prayers. You, you can use them for yourself or for your spouse or for those under your authority. So my wife, I just went to sleep. I was tired and stuff. They're bombing with all kinds of medication with IVs. I went to sleep. My wife put her hand on my heart and she started praying for me. I woke up an hour later. She was still praying for me. Woke up two hours later. She was still praying for me. Woke up three hours later. She was still praying for me. Same prayer over and over. Very detailed prayer. Lord, open up his arteries. Lord, open up any any infections he may have. Very detailed my wife prayed for me for about three hours. I'm like, dang, man. I said, man, she loves me. Uh, the next morning, my wife slept on the couch. I stood there, you know, I went, went, to, went to sleep that night. Went, got up the next morning. The doctors came and did it to see how far 
to see my status. They came. They, they want to see how if the blood clots had advanced or they'd minimized or what happened. Well, the next morning when they came in and did a, I think it was, I forget what type of uh, cardiogram or something like that it's called. 90% of the blood clots in eight hours were gone. Both doctors had been doing this for 30 years collectively. They said, this is impossible. There's no medication in the world that can eradicate blood clots in eight hours. Like They go, what you have right now, or the advanced uh, healing that you have, that takes about two or three weeks of constant IV infusion into the vein. But we, we see this results after two or three weeks, not eight hours. It's impossible. Again, what happened? Again, God just honored my wife's prayer because my wife has rights over my body. First Corinthians chapter seven, and she was praying in a, in the proper manner as a spouse and asking God very specifically and precisely. And also, she lives in a state of grace. She's been going to daily mass for like twenty years. So, uh, yeah, that goes without saying, huh? Yeah, you're not yeah. You're, just, you're not engaging. You know what I mean? It's like like we'll spend weeks. Uh, spiritual warfare is like a Glock. You know what I mean? It's a hammer fire. Uh, weapon. You, they're, they're, the, you are the only safety feature it has. Once it's cocked, it's loaded. You, so you're the one that you you constantly have to know. You know, uh, you're responsible for anything that happens, including shooting yourself in the leg. So knowing the rules of how to use this weapon, God has given us many weapons as Roman Catholics. Be thankful for those. I want to get into the last paragraph, Jess. It says, as for the laying of hands and leading to possible possession, this has been reported. Well, let's let's pick up here in the next section. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll we'll yeah, pick it up in segment number three. We'll we'll, we'll continue with this article. article. Wednesday War College, Jess Romero, Dash Schneider, don't stick around. Good stuff. Wednesday War College. This is where we fire missiles of truth into a wall of lies. Jess Romero, Dan Schneider. We're talking about an article written by Monsignor Charles Pope on can lay people lay hands on others during prayer. Dan, the last paragraph that Father Monsignor Charles Pope wrote, can you read it and can you comment on it? Yeah. Uh, as for the laying of hands, well, before we do that, one last thing on oils. Oils are a very strong sacramental, very powerful that, that you could be used. Like Again, the demon militates to, to absurdity. And so we see in some of the absurd things that happen in, in the cases we deal with, the same strategies and tactics used against us. So there is a thing called astral projection where the demon will – a witch can project themselves. It's, it's, a, it's a diabolic inversion of bilocution that, that many of the saints experienced. So, so they, they can project imagery. They can, they can, they can be in multiple, they can basically mimic bilocution. And so one of the, one of the, one of the ways to get out of that, there's a couple of things you can do. One is a perimeter prayer to, to cleanse your house of all portals, right? Where evil uh, could enter in through sin, um, through malefices, cursed objects, but also using oil, all the windows and taking a holy card and placing it in the mirror, facing into the mirror. We do that. You can do that at a hotel room as well because we don't know what happened in the hotel room. So these things help close that off. But these sacramentals are very effective. Um, going through the, the oils are, are good because they last and linger a long time. So, again, the father should go through the house on, on a routine basis and with holy oil and salt, claim this house for Jesus Christ, for the church of God. Um, 
consecrate the home to the Sacred Heart, to the to the Virgin Mary, to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, and it blessed the oil, used the oils over the doors and over the the windows. It's a very very powerful sacramental. And then here's what it says: As for the laying of hands leading a possible possession, this has been reported. It has been reported, he says, but it is rare to be sure. Surely one ought not to indiscriminately permit strangers to pray over them. Such individuals, whether knowingly or not, may open doors to evil spirits or erroneous religious beliefs or superstitious practices. However, because what do you do when someone prays over you? When, 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 what does the priest say at the end of Mass? Bow your head to receive You're, God's you're surrendering. You're relinquishing, you're relinquishing authority to another person. Yeah, you're 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 being you're standing down, right? You're putting your weapon down. You're standing down, and you're and you're and you're bowing your head to the authority of the one greater than you, right? In this case, the priest. You are his spiritual son. You're not his brother. You're not his buddy. Hey, Bob. No, he is Father Smith, right? He's your spiritual father. You know, so when you you bow, you yield to his authority. So if you're yielding to somebody, you're bowing your head and letting somebody lay their hands on you. You're yielding to that person and anything else that might be present to that person. All right. That's why that's why it's a, it's a good practice for Catholics. I just want to remind Catholics: try to call your, your priest by his last name, Father, whatever. Yeah. yeah it just this again because you start blurring the lines between uh, his his priesthood, his his. his the, the paternal aspect of his priesthood and the fact that we're his children as parishioners. So try to make it a practice to start calling your priest by his last name. Go ahead, Dan. Yeah, so uh, so such individuals, whether knowingly or not, may open doors to evil spirits or erroneous religious beliefs or superstitious practices. So so again, if you've got some vulnerabilities and you yield to the prayer of this person and, and you can get this co-animation, of spirits and you can get a clinging spirit through that. So again, this isn't just to be fearful. It's just about having a clean, having clean practices. You know, Rogers, one of Rogers rules for Rangers that a Ranger is, is, uh, uh, must have his, his, his weapon clean at all times, his weapon cleaned 60 balls of ammunition and hatchet scoured ready to depart moments so having in, having that interior hatchet scoured and clean so to keep the edge on it so so you know it, it, part of that is is knowing the rules part of that, that those are part of the rules of engagement so so he he does he said it, it can happen although rare but what you're most likely could get is a transfer of the spirit so he says however for catholics and christians to pray for each other is not likely to be a conduit for evil but again, when you when when we when you pray together or in a men's group and you, they put hands on their backs or shoulders, this is a, the the sign of unity, and you're bowing together as yeah. as brothers and praying to God. That is one thing. But to but to but to have to to bow your head to somebody who's got other issues, um, you're yielding to that authority. Trustworthiness, he says. Therefore, or however, is an important component when sharing an interpersonal prayer. You have to you have to be careful. Just don't. Draw hands and start praying with everybody. Um, just be prudent. Learn how to learn how to use this, these weapons. Dan, let me ask you a quick question. I want to stay on this topic. Uh, I'll answer this real quick. Uh, I know somebody's asked, well, what about when you're at Mass and they ask you to raise your hands and, 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 and I guess, pray over somebody? The only thing that I would say is that the general instruction of the Roman Missal, number 22, says that uh, a priest can't add anything to the Mass, close quote. So raising your hands as a lay person in prayer at mass, it's not a prescribed posture for lay people at mass. And, uh, and so it's, it's not something that's proper to the lay people. Hey, Jess, if I do this, 
if I do this and I and I and I pull this out and I pull my wallet out and I go like this with it, what, what's that gesture mean to you as that, the law enforcement? Said, oh, that's that's a cop. This guy's a cop and he's showing me his badge. This guy's a cop in plain clothes, but he's pulling out his badge. That is a that is a what what would happen if 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 I went up to somebody with a fake badge, made that gesture, right? And, and then I robbed them or something. There would be another crime on there because I would be impersonating an officer. Yes, you see? correct. So, so that gesture is it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a gesture that it's a law enforcement gesture, right? Or even holding your hand back here, it's a gesture to show that I've got a weapon, right? I've seen cops yes. do that as well. Yeah. That's a, that. Yeah. So that this gesture, even if it's at mass or at any time, this is a priestly gesture. So the priest that asked the the congregation to do that. Um, they're just misinformed. They're malformed. Again, it's this blending of the universal priesthood of the laity and the, and the sacerdotal priesthood, the hierarchical priesthood of the ministerial priesthood of the priest. So, so when, when, when I go to churches and they do that, I just, I just bow and I pray, you know, I just, I just, I, I just don't do that. It, it's right. It's just right. Not I just pull, I just keep my hands together. Our lady Guadalupe style and just bow my head. Yeah. And pray. Yeah. I just, yep. I just, I just put my hands together and pray. Yeah. Yeah. Little by little, a lot of other Catholics are starting. To, it just doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. How do we? Uh, uh, it, it, it it smacks contrary to the census fidelium for most right. Catholics. Yes. It just, it's like that's weird. Yeah. So Dan, let me ask you a question. Uh, is if there's any, like, so you know, sometimes guys will say, "Hey Jess, after they hear me give a presentation, can you pray for me?" And what I'll do is, I mean, they're insistent. You know, I said, "Okay, you know, uh, yeah, sure, I'll pray for you." That's why I always carry a sacramental. I carry St. Benedict's, a miraculous medal, uh, the, the brown scapular. I'll take it off. I'll put it on their hands, and I'll say, hold on to this. I said, okay. I see, see that St. Benedict medal? Hold on to it and look at it. And then I'll just say, I don't put my hands on them. I just put my hands basically together, and I'll just say a, like a, a memorari prayer for them. So late Mar Mother Mary, I want to pray a memorari for this person here who's in need of something. And I'll pray as they're looking at my sacramental. Or what I'll do is I'll, I'll tell them, see my hands? They go, yeah. I said, my hands aren't holy. I said, these, these hands used to break boards and bricks and karate. They used to punch full bags in half in boxing and, and hit people in the jaw. These hands are not holy. I said, but see this sacramental? This is holy. And so what I'll do is I'll say, okay, you want me to pray for you? You're a drug addict. You want to come back to the church? Okay, I'm going to pray uh, the, the, the soul of Christ prayer for you. It's a beautiful prayer about the blood of Jesus. It's a deprecatory prayer. I'll put the sacramental on my sacramental on their shoulder because I'll tell them, my sacramental is holy. My hands are not holy. The sacramental gives you actual grace. And so then I'll do a deprecatory prayer. Uh, comments? Yeah, no, I think I think that's that's uh, just very prudent. And again, it's it's um, it's giving a man a fish or teaching a man a fish. When you're doing that, you're 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 showing them the power of the church, the power of the sacramentals, the power of of intercession. But how to use their own, how to use these 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 various. Again, the church is like a uh, it's got, it's a treasure house, right? It's a treasure house of merit. It's a treasure house of weapons. Um, and so, uh, you know, th there's that old, that, that, you know, that old t-shirt that, that guys wear, it said fish fear me, right? Well, fish fear me because if I ever drop a line in a, in a, in a, in a creek or a, a, a pond, fish fly, they run away from me. I can't catch a fish to save my life. But, 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 uh, uh um, but the, the, it's like a tackle box, right? Like you go to the Protestant church and you open up this little tackle box and you got some very basic stuff in there. You open up 
the tackle box of the Catholic Church. It's like it's like the tackle box of that guy that's got that show called River Monsters, right? Mm-hmm. That they've got you've got something for every kind of waters, deep waters, Amazon rivers, uh, all, to get all sorts of creatures to 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 catch and go fishing for them. You've got all kinds of lures. You've got two thousand years of traditions. You've got you've got the rosary. You've got divine mercy. You've you've got the French school, uh, the Berulian school, Saint John Eudes. You've got the, the Jesuit discernment. You've got Carmelite prayer. You've got Benedictine monasticism. You've got uh, Dominican uh, uh, truth and poverty. You've got you know uh, uh, mendicant the mendicant orders. You've got all this treasury storehouse of ways uh, just learning how to do that so little by little teaching you're teaching these guys to open up this beautiful tackle box and realize that there's something there our job is just, just to figure out what's the right implement for this for this but at the end of the day what you really only need to start with is the very basics you need a fish i mean you need a hook I've even seen in certain places where the fish are so dumb they'll just bite it they'll bite a, a silver hook but you need a hook a little bit of bait a sinker to let the thing sink down and maybe a bobber, you know, a cork bottle or something that can help it float a little bit. You don't need much to catch a fish. But when you get into the deep waters of spirituality, the church has the resources for that. So little by little teaching others how to fish and how do we fish? How do we fish for God? Right. How do we fish for God? It's through prayer. Right. How do we you, you cannot you cannot. And we find ourselves getting so busy in our daily lives and even in the apostolate, we get so busy doing things, even in the name of God, that we forget that the source, the summit, the everything that we have is prayer and encountering our Eucharistic Lord. So if we can lead people to learn how to pray, tap into the power of the church and get them reoriented back in the state of grace and then daily encounters with our Eucharistic Lord is very important. What I'll usually do for men, I'll say, uh, no, I'm not going to pray for you. I'm going to teach you to pray. So you take yeah, the sacramental, exactly. put the sacramental in your hand. We're going to do an act of contrition. What's that? Repeat after me. We're going to do a prayer of, of consecration. What's that? Repeat after me. And so I just walk them through prayers. This way they're praying for themselves as they're holding on to my sacramental. Hey, we're going to continue talking about a cardinal who did an, a, a great exorcism prayer over Mexico. Talk about the spiritual impact of that prayer and some other topics. We'll be right back. Wednesday War College, this is where we fire missiles of truth into the wall of lies. My name is Jess Romero, Dr. Dan Schneider. I just Before we go on to another topic, I, I want to just uh, mention, because it is important, whenever you do intercessory prayer, somebody asks you, hey, you know, uncle, hey, friend, hey, buddy, you know, your co-worker, he asks you, man, I'm, I'm dealing with some huge problems. I'm an alcoholic. I'm cheating on my wife. Man, dude, can you pray for me? When you pray for somebody an intercessory prayer, you always pray deprecatory prayers, not imprecatory, unless you're praying for your wife or your kids or those under your authority. Deprecatory prayers basically means you're asking Jesus, Our Lady, the saints and angels to do the heavy lifting. Imprecatory would be I, I, I. You're praying on your own, by your own authority. And you do have authority over your spouse and over your children in your domestic church. But outside of that, when somebody, your cousin, your best friend, your co-worker is asking you to pray for them because they're alcoholics or they're watching pornography and they, they, they want some help, 
uh, pray a deprecatory prayer for them because that's that's what you're allowed to pray. You're not allowed to pray over them. That would be imprecatory prayer. Dan, any comment on that? Yeah, no, and I, I think we 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 tend to underestimate the the basic simple prayers, the guardian angel prayer, the the rosary, right? When Our Lady gave the rosary to Saint Dominic, she said, "Do you realize what kind of weapon I have given you?" What you have is a battery ram. The rosary is a battering ram, you know, uh, uh, and that and that that is more effective than anything else. And in the rosary, you're teaching them, the, or if you're praying for someone, you're projecting the the mantle of Mary to this person. You're projecting the love of God, the light of Christ. You know, a very simple prayer that I've seen that, that Kyle wrote. May the light of Christ be upon so-and-so, that they see themselves as the Heavenly Father sees them, and I see them as the Father sees them. You change the whole construct of how the person is, that they know the love of God. They see themselves in the light of Christ. They see themselves in the mercy, the merciful love of God. And you begin to see them differently as well, that you see them in the love of Christ. This, you know, Learning how to pray, the, you, know, you and I have talked a lot about prayer as projection. So, so projecting the love of God, projecting thoughts of healing, projecting uh, um, the mantle of Mary around around this person, and let the Lord do the work. You know, at the end of the day, um, with the right illumination, with the guardian of of the angels and saints and Saint Michael, with the Blessed Mother's intercession, she, they'll do the rest. The, our job is to just be inter, to intercede for them, as Saint or as Blaise Pascal says, that God bestowed on us the great dignity of being causes. Of being causes that we become the cause of mercy, the cause of justice, the cause of, of 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 conversion, the cause of healing through prayer. God instituted prayer to bestow on us the dignity of being causes. So we we become the causes cause. God God is the unmovable cause, the uncaused causer, and so we enter into that stream of causality when we pray for others and we teach them as well to pray for themselves. Dan, I want to. Go- I want you to make some comments. I think this is a good thing that the Cardinal uh, from Mexico, Cardinal Juan Sandoval Iniguez, he's the Archbishop Emeritus of Guadalajara. Uh, this is a couple of years ago. This is in 2015. It's an, it's an older article, but I, I think it's uh, I think they're tracking in the right direction. They did what's called a great exorcism prayer. They brought in Father mm-hmm. from Spain. And apparently, I mean, it's it's a prayer where you pray for an, where the archbishop or the cardinal prays for the entire country. We know that Mexico right now is racked with drug cartels, Santa Muerte, witchcraft. In fact, in Veracruz, Mexico, they have an annual satanic conference there, which is ba- it's, it's a satanic training camp in the mountains. Uh, it's a high level, uh, you know, like a boot camp for an entire week where witches and satanists come from all over the world into the mountains of Veracruz. And they get trained on the occult. So I, I think that was a good thing that the Cardinal uh, did this great exorcism prayer over, uh, apparently over the country of Mexico. You comments? No, I think it's fantastic. I mean, if we could, if we could have night vision goggles to see into the cosmic realm, this, this, would, have, this would have been a, a squadron of B-52 striking Moabs and, and uh, um, um, you know, those those Moab bombs that could pe- that penetrate 100 uh, uh, feet of concrete bunkers, bunker busting, a, you know, like I said, a, a whole squadron of Air Force. Have you ever seen or you've seen the Navy, you've seen the big guns fire one of their battleships. It rocks the earth. 
this is what this is like in the spiritual realm to have a cardinal, uh, a prelate of the church praying this prayer. Um, it's one thing for you and I to, to just try to do what we can to clean up uh, uh, our house. Uh, it's another, or, or to assist an exorcist in, in watching him help and assist him in, 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 a, in an exorcism for a soul. But for a for an, a cardinal to exert his jurisdiction, bowing up. I mean, this is like let's game on. Let's we're we're going to we're going to put the enemy back, and 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 we're taking our ground back. We're going to close these portals at all those abortions and and, and that that have been opened. We're going to try to close these portals of all this this illegal drug use and murder and his, all these other things. And so this this was a, just a fantastic uh, 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 action. And 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 you know our bishops need to see the power that they have in the spiritual realm, and and when they wield it. It, believe me, it's like uh, uh, you remember the old commercial when my broker is E.F. Hutton and we have e. what E.F. Hutton says. Right. But when the bishop does this prayer, the entire cosmos, all the spiritual realm awakens and shakes. So so uh, uh, I, I think it's fantastic. Yeah. And the prayer that he did is it's the it's the long form uh, St. Michael, the Archangel prayer written by Pope Leo the 13th. It's uh, and it's good that this Mexican cardinal said that he wants to renew this custom. In other words, he wants to renew this custom of praying this prayer over cities and over countries. That's a good thing. And I'll tell you why, Danny, is because if anybody's watched the movie Apocalypto, and if you want to, if you kind of want to see what was happening in Mexico pre-Christianity, you know, before, uh, before Christianity took root in Mexico, you can just watch the movie Apocalypto and you can see. Uh, Mexico was steeped. The, the Aztecs were basically the, the strongest indigenous Indian people in the Americas. And they were involved in hideous practices, human sacrifices, uh, killing, you know, virgin sacrifices, baby sacrifices. They'd open and remove their hearts, offer it to their demon gods. And so uh, it, it's good to see this archbishop, this cardinal, uh, he's realizing, he actually, in fact, in the article, he actually says that Mexico is demonically infested. And so that's why he sees the need to do this. Hopefully this continues, not only in Mexico, but in other places as well. Dan, there's another article that talks about Cardinal Tegel. He tells a convention of priests, a, a convention of exorcists, that the mystery of love conquers the mystery of evil. Uh, ultimately, I, I, there's a friend of mine, she was a, a Satanist, now she's a Catholic. She was a Satanist for seven years. Her name's Deborah Lipsky. And I've had conversations with her uh, several times, and she's she's said the same thing. And that she wrote a, a book herself on this. She said, when a Satanist or a witch or somebody in the occult encounters the love of the Trinity, and and uh, and cleans up their life after encountering the love of the Trinity, uh, he she she said, you don't need an exorcism. She says, if you encounter the love of God truly, a, a true metanoia. And you reorient your life. You change your life. You 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 do you do an about face, and you give your back to sin, and you face God at Orientum. She says the love of God is powerful enough. She said uh, to liberate people from even demonic possession. What say you, Dan? No, absolutely, because um, you know a part of the part of our our, our protocol in, in the manual that I've just written. It's 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 basically a deep dive to reorient the life. The first the four phase protocol, of Father Ripperger, is it's very systematic. It's very objective. The first phase is to is to shed yourself of the world. It's a thirty day 
uh, separation, social media fast, and 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 set prayers three times a day. Very short, but set specific prayers three times a day to reorder the life, to, to start to reorder yourselves to prayer. And with that foundation, it's like how many times, you know, the, 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 did you train a fighter and the first day in the gym, he says to you, hey, how do I throw a hook? Show me how to throw an uppercut, Jesse, right? And you're like, no, 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 no. Let's get your feet together. Put your left shoulder on against the wall and you do a hundred times you work that that jab against the wall so you don't curl your elbow out. You got to keep straight punches. You know, you have to build a foundation. And so the first foundation is, is creating order. The demon responds to the imposition of order as much as to the prayers themselves. And then the second phase is really working. This is what the manual that, that, that I've written is really focusing on. Adapting obstacles to grace. Cleaning out where grace is being blocked, what sins in your life, mortal sins, unconfessed sins, repeated venial sins, even little sins of detraction, the sins of the speech, growing in holiness of thought, word, and deed. Most cases, after doing three or four months or six months of going back into the traditional practice and devotions and prayer of the church, vocal prayer, mental prayer, rosary, Eucharistic adoration, going to Mass every day, weekly confession— most people, 80 to 90% of the people can, can liberate and come, become completely liberated and, and, and live a full, normal, ha- healthy spiritual life after that just by going in a state of grace and recognizing those areas also of trauma, you know, where, where, where you know, all this high emotions, anger, despair, uh, all these other things, getting those under control to give nothing for the demon to hold on to. And so you're, you're, you're absolutely correct in your assertion is that, is that that's the whole point of the sacraments. We all think that, Oh, we got to find this. If I can only talk to father Fortea, if I can only talk to father Ripperger, if I can only, you can go talk to Jesus, talk to the blessed mother, live to the yeah. teachings of the church, do penance for your past sins, offering up for your bishop, offer your suffering up for the purification of the church, offer your suffering up for your family. This, this is how, we, we absolute torment the evil offering our bodies, as St. Paul says, a living sacrifice. Dan, I noticed that people, and I know a few people that were possessed and have been liberated uh, through the ministry of the church. I notice the ones that I know and still keep in contact with, they are deeply in love with Jesus Christ. In other words, they've had a profound metanoia as a result of having gone through uh, solemn sessions uh, and, and changing their life and turning their back toward, to sin and, and now turning towards God. Uh, some of these people that, that, again, that today remain liberated are some of the most Jesus-loving, God-fearing Catholics that I've met. Yeah, and docile and humble and holy, much holier, much holier than the teams that, that walked with them for several years oftentimes. They become holy in the process. They become purified. That's right. Well, that's a wrap. War College, Wednesday War College. Just remember, Dan Schneider, this is where we fire missiles of truth into the wall of lies. This is where we confront the culture of death with the truth of the Catholic faith. High-level spiritual warfare. Tell your friends about this show. Okay? If you like what you hear, then uh, send this full, the full link to the show at vmpr.org. Send it to your friends and evangelize everybody you love. Remember, every single Wednesday, War College with Jess Romero, Dan Schneider. Up next, you'll hear more from uh, Hands-On Apologetics uh, coming to you from the Midwest Command Center. Gary Machuda, Esper, Dan, and myself, we are out. 10-7, out.